And God's people said, amen. Every week, I'm so grateful for Scott, especially weeks like this, coming and playing to an empty sanctuary uh, so beautifully. Thank you so much, my brother. Thanks for your heart, your gifts, and leading us to the throne. May God richly bless you as you have richly blessed us. If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, if you need a Bible, you'll actually find that resource for you online. There's a tab that you could click and see the text that we are preaching from this morning. And this morning is our concluding sermon uh, as we have looked through the first five chapters of the book of Revelation. This morning we wrap that up and the triumph of the Lamb. And oh man, we're going to see God's triumph this morning so very clearly. What would you think of this? How would you feel if I told you that right now, right at this very moment, there was someone who knew a cure for COVID-19 right now, but that, that that cure was locked away in a laboratory with only, only one person who had a key of that laboratory to get in to find that cure. And no one knew who that one person was, and no one knew where that one person is. Who is he? Where are they? Can you imagine can you imagine if there was a cure for this pandemic and we couldn't actually get to it? That we actually had to find the only one who could unlock the key, the door, and let us in? I mean, there would be this massive worldwide search, would there not? I mean, there would be a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth and a lot of weeping and wailing until that person was found. Okay. Well, I wish that we did have a cure. May God bring that soon. But this kind of might be the feeling, uh, that feeling of longing for someone to, to open up the door to a cure that we see in Revelation 5. It's the Apostle John who was, we saw in chapter 4, lifted up to heaven. He was lifted up to the very throne room of God. And as he was there, he now sees in chapter 5 that in God's right hand, in the Father's right hand on the throne, there is a book. There is a scroll with seven seals keeping it closed. Well, it's very important that this book is opened up because this is God's decree. This is God's plan. And so there's this cosmos-wide, this cosmos-wide search for the one who is worthy to open up this book, to open up the scrolls. The search is in heaven the search is on earth and even below the earth. And there was no one worthy. There was no one who was found worthy to open up this book or this scroll. And this made John weep and weep and wail. And maybe the question is, again, why would John weep and weep because the scroll couldn't be opened? And why this frantic search that someone would be found that would be worthy to open up a book? Well, Within that book is the cure to COVID-19 and much, much more. Within this book is the cure of all of our diseases and all of our plagues and all of the pandemics the world has ever known. Within this book is the cure of death itself and the door of life. 
In Revelation 5, we get a glimpse into God's throne room and we see this scroll, this book, that is sealed and cannot be opened. And again, this book is God's eternal plan. It's his decrees. Look at it this way. In this sealed book, it's all of God's blessings for God's people. It's all of God's judgment for his and for our enemies. But until the book is opened, God's plan seems to be dead in the water. How terrifying is that? It seems to be stalled in heaven. Do you know the hell that we would experience, that the world would experience, if God's plan were sealed up? If God's love were sealed up? If his story and history was all up for grabs? But there's good news. There's always good news with our great God. Oh, there's such good news. There is one, and there's only one who is worthy to take the book from this Father's right hand and open the seals and unlock God's plan. The one who is worthy is a lion. He is strong and most powerful. The one who is worthy is a lamb. And he's so meek and tender. The one who is worthy is Jesus. And he's so worthy of our worship. In this final sermon, in the first five chapters of Revelation, we're going to discover the glorious triumph of the Lamb. That's what we called this entire series. And now we're here. We're going to see this glorious triumph of what Christ has done. And only in Jesus does he turn our weeping into dancing. And he still does, even today. We're going to discover three things as we look in God's word. We're going to first of all see the need of one who is worthy. We're going to see, secondly, the triumph of the worthy lamb. And thirdly, we are going to see the worship of the triumph lamb. But let's look to God's word in Revelation 5, verses 1 through 14. We're going to pick up God's holy and errant word exactly where we left off last week. Hear the word of the Lord. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. 
And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for the one who is worthy. The one who is worthy to open up your plan, your decrees, your will for us and your will for this world. So grateful for the one who is worthy to defeat all of our enemies, even death, all of the plagues, all of the pandemics that we face. And his name is Jesus. Father God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and do that which only you could do, that you'd be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. That God, that you would give each of us ears to hear your voice and minds to understand your word, especially as we are in the throne room here in Revelation 5, and there's a lot of images that, that may confuse us. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us minds to understand, but do more than that. Give us hearts to embrace, hearts that will embrace your truth in such a profound way that empowers our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are wrong or just merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would would you use those things to help tune our voices to sing your praises and to give our lives as a sacrifice to the one and the one only who is worthy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The first thing we're going to see in in Revelation 5 as it begins is this need for the one who is worthy. This one who will open up this book. And the first thing we see is the calling to, to find the one who is worthy. It's interesting, during this COVID-19 crisis, churches like King's Chapel have done their best to try to figure out, how do we best get word out to you, the congregation? What are the best forms of communication to make sure our, our members are in the know? We've used things like Flocknote. We've used things like our podcast, Instagram. I'm, not too, I'm too old to have Twitter, but even MailChimp and other ways to make sure that Uh, we can get the word out to you. But you know, as a pastor, my greatest fear, that I'm missing you. Are you getting the word out? I mean, are you hearing from us? Well, isn't it interesting how in God's economy, how he gets word out, making sure that no one is missed. 
This is the calling. In verse 2, it says, in heaven, God uses a mighty angel and a mighty angel with a loud voice. It's going to reach everyone. Can you imagine this voice? It reaches everyone in heaven. It reaches everyone on earth. And it reaches everyone under the earth. And there's this calling. They say, who's going to be worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy to unlock God's plan for us? And in heaven and on earth and below, there's not one. There's not one who is worthy. So there's weeping. It's interesting, the Greek here is going to say that John weeped loudly. I mean, this is not just a whimpering. John was weeping. He wailed at the reality that no one, not one in heaven, no one on earth, no one below was worthy. Why was he weeping? He was weeping because God's plan, the the plan that in chapter 4 that he was ushered up into heaven, that he was told that he must see what must take place, now seems to be in jeopardy. There seems to be apparent jeopardy to God's plan. God's blessing of his children are sealed up. God's judgment of his enemies are locked up. God's story, history itself seems to be in peril. So John wept, wouldn't we? But I believe that John probably wept for more than just that. Possibly John also wept too over his own unworthiness. As the call went out for one who was worthy, he could examine himself and realize, I'm disqualified. John was like us, although an apostle, he was a broken sinner, disqualified from being worthy. Our sin is an abhorrent and holy God's sight. But let me ask a question. Have you ever wept over your sin? Have you ever examined yourself and the fact that we are unworthy? The reality that as Christians, our sin has driven Jesus to the cross. Have you ever wept because of your brokenness? I think it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is evident in your life. I think that we as Christians need to examine our lives and weep over our brokenness. But don't stay there. I love what the writer of the book of Hebrews says. In in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now hear this. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. We're weeping because we're broken. We're weeping because we're sinful. We're weeping because our sin drove our Savior to be nailed to the cross. But he considered a joy. He considered it a joy. Why? Because he loves us that dearly, that eternally, that he would despise the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What an awesome Savior who is so willing to die for us. Again, we first would see that, that call. The second thing we see is the triumph of the worthy lamb. In verse 5, it would say, And one of the elders said to me, John, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. We're going to look at a few things this morning. First of all, let's look at what he is called. There's two Old Testament 
messianic terms that, that is used by this elder to pull forward to, to describe who, who this Jesus, this promised Messiah is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. First of all, it's this, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We find this all the way back in the first book of the Bible. At the end of Genesis, Genesis 49.9, when Jacob is blessing his 12 sons who will become the, the 12 tribes of Israel, and he gets to the blessing of Judah, and there's a special blessing of Judah, he's called a lion's cub. And this, this one Judah is told that a scepter, he will be a ruler of God's people. What is happening in the very beginning of the story is a promised Messiah that named Jesus will come in the line of David to rule God's people, to rule us. But there's more. He's also called the root of David. We're going to find this in the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 11, where there's a prophecy that there's a king, a Messiah that's coming, this great king that will bring peace to all of the earth. It's interesting, actually, in Isaiah 11, it's called the root of Jesse, which is going to be David's, which is David's father. So a little bit of a difference there, but it's the same thing. And it's basically saying, as Isaiah had promised, that a shoot will come from this root of David, who will bless all of the world, all the nations, a savior. It's interesting because Jesus uh, being actually eternal is both before David and from David. I don't have time to unpack this, but we're going to see this reality in, in Psalm 110. And Jesus himself, when he's talking to the religious leaders who are trying to trick him, will ask them a question about this Messiah who will come in Matthew twenty-two forty-five, saying, is he a son of David or is he David's Lord? He's both. This Messiah is both before David and after him. So we see that you have this messianic pro, uh, pro, uh, promise of who he is. But I love the fact that it also shows us where he is standing. Look at verse 6. That Jesus, it says, this lamb says, is, is, and between the throne, the throne of his father, and the four living creatures, and get this, and among the elders... Jesus is standing between the throne where his father is and these four living creatures on the other side and among those that he has redeemed. What is being said here? It's showing us that Jesus and Jesus alone is our mediator. That he and he alone is our high priest. The one who stands before holy God and, and sinful man and he bridges the gap for us. I love the reality where it says where he is, where he's standing. He is in the midst of the elders. And remember, the elders represent us, the redeemed, his children. That's us. It's saying that Jesus is among us. Scripture tells us, and it's so beautiful, you can't miss this. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus, this eternal God, this worthy lamb, that he is not ashamed. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. This is the God of the universe. This is the one who spoke the cosmos into existence. This is the one who would be pierced for our transgressions. This is Jesus. And he's in our midst. 
And he's not ashamed to call us his own. What a big brother. Oh, how he loves us so. Well, we see also not only where he is standing, but who is standing. He says, here, here you have John. I turned and I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. John is told that the one who conquered, the one who was worthy to open the scroll, that he's a lion. And when he turns to look to see the lion, he sees a lamb. And not just any lamb. He sees a lamb that has the distinguishing marks of a lamb that was slaughtered. One that was slain. This week we gathered here uh, to make, do a couple of dry runs, make sure that we could broadcast uh, this service for you. And so a shout out to my, my sound guys in the back, to JP and, and Chris. Uh, so we gathered here and I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them some pizza, delicious pizza, by the way. And, and I got us some drinks. As we sat down to eat, I, I had a, uh, what I thought to be a Coke Zero. And I took a big gulp of it, and it was a cherry Coke Zero. Delicious, I might add. But you could tell immediately from my face that this was, whoa, I wasn't expecting cherry Coke. And I, man, talk about a stretch of an illustration. I could hear you laughing, but you could have seen the look on my face that this is not what I thought it was going to be. John's look on his face. I wonder what he thought. I'm going to turn and see a mighty lion. Instead, what he sees is a meek lamb. You see, Jesus conquers by being both a lion and a lamb. That Jesus conquers by becoming weak, by putting on flesh and becoming like us, by suffering like us and therefore being perfected. Jesus putting on flesh and dying on a cross. That's the gospel power. The power of God that would empty himself to become a servant and obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, I'm sorry, John would first hear the words that Jesus is called the Lamb of God. He'd hear it according to the gospel of John. John 1 verse 29 he would hear that Jesus is called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. Very interesting. John the Baptist seeing Jesus will say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's so much to that. Let that just resonate. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I imagine if we, we examine that, we can't help but think that Jesus is the true Passover lamb that we find in Exodus 12. And when the plagues were, were crushing around God's people, he said, take a, a lamb, a spotless lamb, and put the blood of that lamb on the door frames, and death will pass over you, and God's people would be safe. We see that that Passover lamb pointed to the true Passover lamb, Jesus, Paul will tell us it's him in 1 Corinthians 5, that Jesus, he is the true lamb of God that God would provide, that, that Abraham in Genesis 22 would talk to Isaac and Isaac would say, Dad, I see everything we need for a sacrifice, but where is the lamb of sacrifice? And in faith, Abraham would say, 
Son, God himself will provide a lamb of sacrifice. And on that very hill, he provided his own son. It would be Jesus, the true suffering servant that Isaiah would point to in Isaiah 53, 7, described as a lamb that would be led to slaughter the one who would be pierced for our transgressions, the one who would be broken because of our iniquities, the one that through his wounds we are healed. Behold, behold the Lamb of God. This is how our God conquers. He conquers through Jesus, the Lamb of God. Why? Because it was Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the one who fulfills the law of God and maintains God's holiness. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who absorbs God's wrath on the cross for our sins. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has conquered death. And it's why Luke would say in the book of Acts that there's no other name. There's no other name where why we can be saved except for the name of Jesus. John looked and he saw a lamb standing. Still work to be, do, to be done to rescue us. And though he, as though he had been slave, slain. And it describes Jesus. Now, we can't take this description literally. It's not this deformed Jesus with seven horns and seven eyes or the seven spirits of God. What does it mean? Well, the seven horns, horn in in Scripture is the power of God. And when it says that he has seven, the number seven is fullness. So it's saying of this, this lion, it's saying of this lamb that Jesus has the fullness of God's power. Because he is not just the son of man, he is the son of God. He is the fullness of deity and human flesh. That he is omnipotent. That's what it's saying. That he has seven eyes. What's it saying? It's God, he has the fullness of God's wisdom and knowledge. He's omniscient. He knows all things. And it goes on to describe those seven eyes as the seven spirits of God. Or it's saying the fullness of God's spirit. Think of the baptism of Jesus when the fullness of the Spirit was poured upon the Son. This is the Lamb. And what is he holding? Verse 7, he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, his Father. He is worthy to take that scroll and he alone is worthy to open it. And that's what the rest of the book of Revelation is going to be describing. It's basically saying that he and he alone is worthy to open up God's story and to ensure that God's decrees and God's blessing are secure for God's people. He and he alone can hold that and open that. And he has through his life, his death and resurrection and as he reigns in heaven. And then lastly, lastly, we're going to see the worship of the triumphant lamb in verses 8 through 14. Can you imagine, as I started the sermon, the praise and honor that one would receive if he were able or she was able to find a cure of COVID-19? Can you imagine probably close to worship and the adoration that that person would receive? We see the worship and adoration Jesus deserves for being the lamb who was slain. 
so that he could bring us life and life abundantly. Oh, he is worthy of our worship. They worship the lamb, it says here, by singing a new song. What does it mean? Well, in chapter 4, they sang a song to God as the creator. The new song that they're singing is a song of redemption. They're singing to the redeemer, the one who has redeemed all things. And they're singing to him for what he has done. Again, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. By the blood of the Lamb, Scripture tells us, is that he purchased, he ransomed a people for God through, through the cross. Something marvelous has happened. Those of us who by nature are, are enemies of God have been brought near. First Peter 1 will tell us that it wasn't through silver or gold that God ransomed us, how he purchased us. It was through the precious blood of Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God the Lamb of God that would make us his own. And I love the fact that our God loves every tribe, tongue, nation, language that he's going to gather for himself a people through all peoples purchased to be his own. God has purchased us for himself. And he has made us together a kingdom. Together that is what we are. And individually he has made us priests. It's an interesting word. What does that mean? It means this, that God has redeemed us to be his, part of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. But he also has redeemed us to serve him. To serve him with our very lives as priests. That now we are living sacrifices to sing his praises and to serve him. Here at King's Chapel, our mission is to be living in submission to Christ our King. We see it right here. Because of the blood of Christ, we have been made His. We are brought into the kingdom. And now our mission is to live our lives in submission to Christ our King. We say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we're also serving on mission for Christ our King. It's interesting, it says that we will rule with him on earth, and there's a lot of interpretations of what this means, but what I want to tell you is this, is that the kingdom of God, especially when this was written for John, not the kingdom of Rome, is ultimately going to win no matter what happens in this earth, on this earth, God wins. May his kingdom come, may his will be done, and it will on earth as it is in heaven. He is the reigning king, the reigning champion. And in Christ, we reign with him. He wins, and so do we. We worship him for what he is worthy to receive. In verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing in our very lives. He is worthy. Let me tell you what it means for us today. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of it. Even in the midst of this pandemic, he is worthy of your trust because he's in control. He's worthy of your love because he first loved you and he laid his life down for you. He's worthy of your love. 
He's worthy of your life. He's worthy that your life should, my life should be a living sacrifice to him. That's what he's worthy to receive. Our very selves. From whom is he worthy to receive worship? In verse 13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor, glory and might forever and ever. Basically all of creation, he is worthy of all creation singing his presence. Every creature in heaven, on earth and even under the earth forever and ever, he is worthy. This is the fulfillment of Psalm 156, the last verse of the Psalms that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As we close, let me ask a few questions. Is Jesus, the Lamb of God, at the center of your life? We see him at the the center of the throne room, the center of heaven. We see him as the center of all of history. Is he the center of your life? Is Jesus the one you're worshiping? Or do you have someone else, or maybe yourself, on the throne? Where are you searching? There was, a, there was an all-cosmos search for one who was worthy on heaven and earth and below the earth, and no one was worthy except for Jesus. Are you spending your life longing for one who is worthy? Only Jesus. Where are you searching for your significance? Find it in Jesus. Where are you searching your meaning, your happiness, your joy? Only in him and him alone is he worthy. Put him in the rightful spot on the throne of your life, both now and forever. Because why? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the last 11 weeks as we've journeyed through the first five chapters of the book of Revelation. Your your spirit and your word have taught me so much. And God, I thank you that you've caused me and I know others to, to love you more, to trust you more. And I thank you for your good hand of providence that at a time like this, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, that we know for sure that Jesus is worthy to cure this, that Jesus is worthy to make sure that that, that that scroll, the book has been opened of your decrees and that your plan is unfolding, our triune God. And we know that your plan ends beautifully for your people. But we also know for those of you, for those who are not yours, that it ends tragically. So God, we pray for your grace and mercy for anyone who's, who's listening that doesn't know Jesus as that, that lion lamb, that one who was slain for our sins, that one who conquers. God, may, may each of us, maybe some for the first time, put you on the rightful place, on even the throne of our hearts. Oh God, forgive our sins, cleanse us, God, give us eyes to see the beauty of your Son. May our lives be a living sacrifice to the only one who's worthy. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen.